This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Man Cave Command Center in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law, the only law partner of the University of Florida. And uh, it is 352-325-3938 on the Mellon Law Hotline. Really appreciate Jeffrey's uh, support of the show. And I uh, appreciate you, uh, listeners and viewers, for tuning into the show. And hopefully... Uh, class today will be interesting and informative and help you a little bit understand uh, at least one point of view of how the world is working or not working right now, depending upon uh, your point of view. Plantation Mark says the snow is going to fly. Well, there you are, man. You're right at the bottom of Yankee country up there where you are. So you're going to get dumped on like they do. Um, our good buddy, tremendous supporter of the Ward Scott Files, uh, Mark Cook. Ha um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ray thinks that the guy blurts out an expletive when the warthog attacks him. Well, that, that could be that could be true. That could be true. Uh, that's a gem of a of a of a uh, th- of a video we like running it, and it's so so typical. I mean, you can't. He's wagging his tail and all that business. So um, appreciate all that uh, response, you all, and the fact that you enjoy it. Um, it's um, interesting as ever. The local stuff. Um, that uh, feedback helped you understand that the big problem in the city of Gainesville government is uh, lack of leadership and the uh, uh, boy named Lauren, who is the mayor, who uh, ho-hums his way through the day and has a misapplication of priorities. And this map misapplication of priorities is uh, really uh, indicated by something that our good friend and partner in news distribution here, Jennifer Cabrera, posted in uh, a Lotro Chronicle. We'll show you a picture of it. Uh, I think production's ready to put it up. Um, Harvey Ward is a real uh, character. Um, I call him banana pudding. Um, You know, he's got a big old belly and he's always out there leading with his belly. And obviously he likes to stay close to the dinner table, but he's a bully and he's been a bully all his life. He's kind of a bigger guy. And oftentimes bigger guys, you know, resort to bully behavior. And there's a history of this um, for him. And um, I won't get into it, but it has to do with, um, you know, his approach and uh, who taught him this and all this other stuff and was his role model. Uh, But um, uh, Banana Pudding, I guess, is best known for his exclamation about the bikini advertisement on the side of the RTS buses when, uh, to remind you of that incident, he sat at the stoplight with his precious daughter, who I think is pubescent, or at least 14 years old about then, as you know, grown now, grown, not grown, gone yet, but grown. And um, he uh, saw um, the bus pass with the bikini females and just had to protect his daughter's innocence. 
and so proclaim innocence, right? And so proclaim from the dais of the city of Gainesville that he wasn't going to let any more uh, bikini females on the side of buses. And I got to tell you, I haven't seen any. It's all the liars advertising now on the side of the buses, I guess. I don't see them that much. I don't go into Gainesville anymore than I have to. But um, And the other misnomer about those buses is a regional transit system. It's not regional. It, it served basically the University of Florida. And we had to cry out of their cold, dead hands uh, a bus route out of Santa Fe. And, uh, you know, we finally got that decreed by legislative action that RTS thou shalt deliver bus route to Santa Fe College. And all the buses were doing was basically being paid for by student fees from the University of Florida. So we had to get an agreement and get um, it into the policy and the manuals and all that stuff that student fees at Santa Fe would as well pay for bus routes or subsidized bus routes out, out to Santa Fe College. So it's not really a regional transit system. You don't see of the bus coming to Alachua. Uh, you don't see it going down to, God forbid, the redheaded stepchild and that's Archer. Uh, you don't see that. You just see it hovering and moving around about um, the city of Gainesville. In fact, the bus routes are responsible for the city of Gainesville commission having seven commissioners instead of five, like it should have. Uh, the guys who put that into the charter, Tom McNews now um, passed and, uh, um, Mark Goldstein and these guys who were there, Jimmy Painter, um, in their infinite wisdom, and Mark claims he didn't have anything to do, he didn't vote for this, but they were business guys, and um, they thought, well, you know, the bigger the city, the better for business, I guess is what they thought, and so they put into the charter uh, that um, um, anytime a city passes a particular population threshold, um, it shall... um, uh, provide bus service to the city people, and and um, and, and they put into the charter that you know annexation could expand the city limits, and therefore the city limits would entitle the occupants of the city to the bus. Now, Southwest Thirty uh, Fourth Street and Archer Road, uh, right on the southwest corner, are some apartment things where, when all this was going on, there lived students who couldn't ride the bus to to the college. And um, so there was an activist in there, a young female student, student activist, who went on round and got a petition. And I think she had enough signatures to um, go to the, um, get the attention of the city commission. And they requested that they be annexed into uh, the city. They could voluntarily annex and they got the apartment owners to go, what the heck, big deal to them. And so um, they got that corner uh, now is city, but then it was county. <clears throat> and uh, into the city of Wampus it went, and all of a sudden uh, it triggered the charter that if the city gets to be a certain population threshold, uh, it, it shall have two more commissioners. And that's where the real problem came. Uh, and, and, you know, it's dysfunctional enough over there, but you add two more dysfunctional people to the formula as you have now, and an elected mayor like they have now, who unfortunately got a year extension in this last modification of the city configuration, political configuration, so that the boy named Lauren will be, uh, you know, once again, gumming up the works for another year. Um, And that got to seven and that got it all a cattywampus. So a little activist female student really changed, did she not? 
um, the dominoes fell and she changed the whole city political landscape quite significantly to where it is now really even more dysfunctional than it's ever been. So banana pudding uh, is in there. He's a commissioner and uh, he's objecting to bikini clad females. Now those bus wraps, as I understand it, bring in, I've researched this, bring in about $500,000 a year to the coffers. And um, they're approved through strenuous uh, legal examinations. Banana Putin is also the one who uh, is associated with moveon.org. And uh, the kids were sent out there by moveon.org once upon a time when Ted Yoho was our uh, local representative to Congress to entrap him about um, firearms. And uh, um, they, they among other things, they were sent out there as, 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 as front, and, and, and Banana Putin's daughter was among them. And she's a bright girl. There's no question about that from what I understand. Uh, but we're talking about banana pudding, not her. And they put the, the, the questions to Yoho about guns and all that. But they were fronted and pushed out there by the likes of the banana puddings of the world. So now banana pudding is keeping a list. I guess we got it up there now. I'm a little bit behind you guys. Uh, this is a list that some astute observer of political uh, behavior photographed. And it's on a yellow tablet there. And apparently what it has there, and we have the commentary by Putin above it, um, uh, that Putin is keeping a list. And, you know, he's a, he's a vindictive guy. I mean, in my humble opinion, and, you know, uh, and, and, you know I, I can pretty much show you that without much trouble uh, through landlord-tenant relationships. So um, that's not, you know, widely known by people, but it's known by our research team. And then um, uh, he has property on the east side of Gainesville, of all things. His family and father do and all that, or did. Uh, and, and this is where we really got to know his character. But um, he's keeping a list here, and he's kind of a smart aleck with a reply uh, in, the, in the commentary here, which is his, his style. Um, hey, if you want me to get, you don't want to see it here, just ask me and I'll photocopy. I don't know if that's true. Um, you really got to hold that suspect. Just ask me and I'll accommodate. Uh, that's not really the nature of this commission. Um, they don't go out of their way to accommodate, uh, you know, nothing, unless there's something in it for them. So we put that up there. And I want to thank Jennifer Cabarro for printing it. You can go over to Elachua Chronicle and take a look at it. The other thing that's going on here, and I need to give you a date, uh, there's a final hearing February 23rd, 2022, uh, in, uh, uh, and this is going to be a, uh, a, 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 the final hearing for uh, the DeSantis um, uh, Dion McGraw deal, and this is going to be Monica Brasington, the judge in this hearing, and it's probably going to be done via Zoom. Uh, you're not going to bring the governor into a courtroom here in Alachua County to sit down across the table from the likes of Dion McGraw. So uh, it's going to be uh, uh, a request for this is going to be a final hearing and it will be done remotely. I've got the order here in front of me, thanks to the research team, uh, utilizing Zoom technology and the party, the councils will be there. And of course, they're going to um, argue that, you know, she was a uh, I don't know, a victim of her own stupidity, therefore needs to be excused for her own shenanigans, her own, her own behavior, but it can't be her fault 
that has to be the governor's fault. Since the governor locally in this state to these people, like Dion McGraw, is the same as Trump is to the Pelosi's. Um, a piglosi, somebody called her the other day. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so it's a virtual courtroom um, and, um, you know, with all the decorum and everything, but it'll be done by uh, Brasington presiding and that, that will be done uh, February, we get that date for you, 23rd at 10 a.m. So keep tuned into that. You heard it first here uh, on the awards. Got files and Professor Warhol's classroom. Um, just a little couple of titty, uh, tidbits. Uh, there is this old saw that's now being uh, presented um, about the Fifth Avenue and the, the Duval and uh, Pleasant Street, Porters, all this business, um, um, that it should be preserved because, you know, that's where black folks lived. And we ran into this uh, problem when we got ready to expand uh, Santa Fe campus downtown. And you remember the story behind that. Uh, we were told secretly, if you really want to know the truth, uh, by black leaders who really knew. These are not the ones you'll see in the paper, by the way. These are kind of people who quietly, uh, good folk who know what's going on, confidentially told us, don't build a Santa Fe campus in East Gainesville. Um, they'll destroy it over here. And it will not be safe. I'm just going to tell you that's what went down. Um, so we decided to expand the campus on 6th Street and make it the East Gainesville campus. And it's really not east. It's just downtown. Uh, so that's as far east as we were going to go based upon the advice. And in order to do that expansion, we had to go into some gentrification, if you will, around there to expand that campus. And we heard the same song and dance all oh, these houses, uh, I had a garden, this, that one, another, whatever. And, and, and they're, they're run down. I mean, they're basically, and we had to actually pull into testimony um, black folk who had been actually raised in those houses who said, listen, forget this. You want to move away from this. You don't want to sit here and remember this. And their arguments really prevailed. And otherwise, we would not have been able to expand the footprint of the downtown Santa Fe campus uh, without somehow, some way, rubbing the sentiments of some people. And we know who they are. They're the traditional loud mouse that come up the works down there and get nothing done. Uh, we, had to go, we had to go to the influential people that you don't know about, that you don't hear about, not the Rodney Longs and, and not, not, those, not those people. Uh, we had to go to ones that... Um, really uh, could get things done and, and, and could make the, make the, uh, um, um, the story work. Uh, you know, I, I am, uh, somebody commented the other day after I talked about the negative impact of uh, integration. And, um, you, know, I'm, you know, and I said, well, you sound like you're not for integration. Um, I'm not, the, not against integration uh, as its term is probably used. I mean, I think we were, the point is we were, we, we could be, we're integrated in neighborhoods if the neighborhood has something we want to go there for. Uh, I'm thinking of the Asian neighborhoods where you go for the tremendous culture and the food. I'm thinking of the French Quarter in New Orleans where you go for the culture, um, all that. Um, they, these, these places are in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in Paris. They have these kinds of communities that you go to 
that are specifically kind of occupied by the same culture. And it builds up a brand. It builds up an identity. If you want the best of this or the best of that, you have to go to that neighborhood. Um, that is what integration busted up. Uh, and that is what these folks are trying to recreate. But they won't get it recreated, sadly enough, uh, by giving people $25,000 for forgivable loan uh, that doesn't have to be paid back. And you ask Rodney Long, most of the black loan law uh, stuff was never paid back. Um, so you have this um, the, the Spring Hill area and those kind of areas um, that are historically black communities, although not totally black communities, because I can tell you, I have done ride alongs with GPD in those communities and there are white folks living in there too. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, it's kind of a, once again, a, a song and a saw that it doesn't ring entirely true. But the, the point is, I guarantee you that the seven commissioners led by the boy named Lauren will give $25,000 to anybody who wants to come along with an unforgivable loan. And meanwhile, not have a clue where the money is in the city and be told so by auditors year after year after year. And then they fire the auditors who tell them that. So I'm, I'm really kind of skeptical about this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against assistance programs. Don't get me wrong, but I'm against assistance programs that are folly. And um, you know, we're talking about Cedar Grove and Duval, Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue is not coming back. I've got news for you. It's not coming back. You know, the, the linchpin for Fifth Avenue at one end was Mom's Kitchen. It's done. And we, they, they got duped on that. P. Green underhand, actually in cahoots with Rodney Long, took the city for $155,000 to buy uh, uh, Mom's Kitchen, and it promptly fell down. And there's nothing there now. And there won't be anything there now. And you're not going to recreate uh, Red's Two Spot. And no, maybe would you want to? And, you know, uh, there was a place called Sarah's, which had tremendous music. I used to go down there in the early 60s to hear Fat Pop on these people. Uh, and then you had at the other end another restaurant down there. And that kind of uh, framed and bookended uh, Fifth Avenue. Uh, you had the churches along there, uh, a great community. That's gone. And, and these $25,000 loans uh, that the, the boy named Lauren and, and, and Banana Pudding and these people want uh, that are uh, forgivable, uh, you know, I understand, but they're not, they were, they never, these people that are giving, they never were on fifth, they never ate in mom's kitchen. I've eaten there at two o'clock in the morning. Maybe the only white guy in there. I was real friend, real good friends with the Youngs. I mean, come on. These guys, this is another one of these theories about how the world should work according to the liberal agenda. So I just wanted to read that into your, um, you know, Vivian Filer is a friend. She was a colleague. She was a nursing instructor at Santa Fe College. Nice lady. But, um, you know, she's the one that they point to and, and bring out when they have to have somebody articulate to, to make a presentation. And I'm all for Vivian. Uh, but but uh, there's things down there that had no have no business being saved. Really? I mean, there's no use. I mean, there's no business saving them. You can improve the neighborhood by doing something different than that. Now, I'm not for putting these student housings in there. I'm not for all these absentee construction guys from outside this community taking the work away from our local guys, which is what's going to go on up here in the city of Alachua. 
that's disgusting. I don't like that at all. I think the city of Wallachia was screwed up in approving that. And they do, too. They, they, they think there's something wrong with it, too. But meanwhile, we've got a real story. You know, as I say, I haven't been able to escape ever uh, the covering of, 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 uh, of uh, COVID. And um, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, really, it's really quite a mess because we have got, of all people, uh, we have got, um, let me see if I can find uh, my article here on it, um, that is um, uh, most interesting. Uh, we have got um, uh, uh, Djokovic now has become uh, the, the, the focus of an international type of morality about, uh, uh, about COVID. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, pretty interesting uh, where uh, this is going to land because nobody really knows where it's going to land. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, let me see, here it is right here in the New York Times. The New York Times has taken note of this and uh, there's a nice article here that gives you a sense of uh, the, 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 the kind of focus that this is going to come. Uh, tennis has become, uh, this is an analysis article in the New York Times, Tennis has become a stage for right and wrong during the pandemic. Isn't this interesting? Um, we've had warm-up episodes to this. We had, if you will, Aaron Rodgers, who danced to his own drummer uh, and claimed uh, uh, in, uh, he must have misspoken, that uh, he had taken care of the uh, COVID issue himself, and everybody interpreted that to mean he'd gotten the vaccinations when indeed he hadn't. He drank Kickapoo Joy Juice or, you know, glycothymoline or something that would cure everything from moles to freckles to you name it. And, and along the way, COVID. Now, Djokovic is kind of the same guy. Um, he doesn't want to do anything conventional. And indeed, uh, you can see why he would think that because it's worked for him on the tennis court. The guy has really, really become a machine who doesn't go into oxygen debt. And he's been in these hyperbaric chambers and all these things. And, uh, but because of Australian law, uh, and, and Damien Cave is writing about this, there's a power struggle now between a defiantly, as Damien says, a defiantly unvaccinated tennis star and a prime minister who has got this position that a rule is not a rule if you make an exception for somebody who breaks it. Now, wouldn't the judges here in the United States of America do well to, to listen to this guy? Now, obviously, this is a damned if you do and damned if you don't proposition because uh, uh, this is a, a weighty issue. It's a public stand for pandemic rules, as uh, the Times writes, and the collective good. And the center who is going to be held accountable for this is none other than the number one tennis player in the world. And the stage is in Australia, which is a known as a sporting nation. It's where the first Grand Slam of the tennis year begins. It begins uh, right quickly here soon. And uh, the uh, equivocation that's gone on over Djokovic has been, you know, kind of a, the wrong message for the government to send. In other words, uh, are, we, are you going to hold to your rules or not going to hold to your rules? And they're hemming and hawing, and one bureaucracy says, well, it's okay to turn your head, and uh, the other isn't saying that at all. 
that you have to have the lockdown obedience and um, vaccine drives. And um, he, is a, he is a strong enough symbol that Australia is concerned that he will uh, coax the country into skirting COVID vaccination mandates. Uh, so it's very complicated. Plus, it's complicated by the fact that um, uh, he has been apparently photographed with children uh, somewhere in Serbia, I think it was, while he says he had COVID and he's standing with the children and he's not masked and anything else. So they have that has uh, cast doubt on his veracity. Uh, so what it looks like to Australia is that Djokovic is trying to play by his own rules. And um, he has now admitted that he submitted an entry form at the airport that was false. Uh, it, it said he had not traveled internationally in the 14 days before he came to Melbourne, when in fact he'd been flying that time between Serbia and Spain. And he has tried to say that that was human error and he blamed it on his agent. He threw his agent under the bus on that and said the guy uh, misunderstood and you know it wasn't I, it wasn't I, it was him. Um, so, um, and they, they believe that during this travel, that might be where he was exposed to COVID and eventually tested positive. And um, therefore, you know, he's not been genuine and that has got Australia's attention and compounded the issue. Um, the, so the world is seeing him as selfish and reckless and has disregard for the health of others. And this really is the issues I've been kind of trying to figure it out. You, you know, what I can understand is you wear the mask, not for your own health, but for the health of others. And that's so that if you are asymptomatic and you are have the COVID, you don't give it to somebody next to you because the droplets carry it. And I heard that the droplets dissipate effectively in about 20 minutes. So I, I you know, that's another thing I've got. Then, of course, I've been told uh, by a, a guy who's a scientist um, who, who probably is in Djokovic's world intellectually or whatever, um, doesn't have a medical license, but believes that I'll be, uh, my immune system will crash in two years because I took the vaccines. And then I have a viewer who I, uh, is a big fan and supporter of the show here who modified that and said, no, not two years, but three years. So now I got to stay alive another two years to see if my immune system crashes. Whereas the previous uh, advisor told me uh, I would know in two years. So that's really one more year because I had the first shot a year ago. So I've got to hang around long enough to see if my immune system crashes in 2023, January 2023. That's when I'm just supposed, I guess, uh, I can't even let a mosquito bite me. I mean, it's, it's just everything's going to crash. So all this is out there in the mix. And Australia has put its foot down and said, well, and for the purpose of continuity and for the purpose of responsibility to our citizens, we're going to adopt this, this uh, procedure and this policy. And, you know, this guy, Gokovic, has gotten caught right in the middle of it. So he's not just Djokovic now. He's a world example of this type of uh, issue that is um, uh, going on in, in the in the. Uh, in, in, in the in the world of COVID, it's uh, and I don't know how it's going to resolve. Somebody just told me that you know they're going to go ahead and deport him uh, real quickly here. Now, as I've been able to research the COVID, 
most of the COVID infections right now, the Omicron variety, which don't kill you, they give you basically the symptoms of a cold, which if you've got any kind of inoculation history, uh, you fend off relatively easy. So not um, uh, 95% of the uh, COVID uh, uh, infections right now, from what I can tell, are the Omicron, which is cresting and beginning to dip, turn down. Uh, it seems to have a short-lived uh, life as a virus, version of the virus anyway. So you got to factor that into the deal and, and see where you go with that. So right in the middle of this is Djokovic, who has a lot to lose uh, by being evicted by Australia, because if he's evicted, he doesn't have a chance to hang on to a number one, and he won't have a chance to go uh, catch Federer and Nadal and surpass them even uh, in, in tournaments one. And he's in his 30s. So he's getting to a place where, um, you know, you don't have that many more uh, windows of opportunity because this is a very, very demanding game. Tennis, I think, requires more of an individual than any other sport I can think of, when, especially when it's played at the level these guys play it. Four or five hours, one-on-one. -on -one, um, you know, there's no sport that does that. Basketball doesn't do it. Football doesn't do it. Boxing doesn't do it. And then you put it on a hard court, uh, which is tremendously hard on the on the ligaments and the tendons of the feet and the knees and the hips. Uh, then you factor in the eye-hand coordination and the conditioning and the will and all that stuff. It all comes together. So if you're in the top 10 in the world in tennis, you are one hell of an athlete. Um, and he is number one right now. Of course, it goes back and forth among Federer and Nadal, but they're getting a little bit older. So uh, Djokovic has got an opportunity here that he could lose right quickly uh, because of the Australian uh, guys who are going to make the, the, uh, the, final, the final call. And um, he's gotten the attention of, of basically the entire world. And there's not going to be any, any right answer here. There's obviously going to be uh, winners and losers, and there will be no right answer. But, but basically, all the tennis players are sympathizing with the government because they went ahead and did the vaccinations. So what? So I'll do the vaccination. Tennis is what I care about. It's not going to bother me. The dolls made that statement. The only one is who, who is about as wacky as Djokovic is Kyrgios, who kind of supported Djokovic, but he's kind of a nutcase. And uh, the rest of them are pretty traditionally uh, adaptable to the rules. And tennis is all about rules. So if you didn't have rules, you wouldn't have the game. You wouldn't have the order it takes to, to play the game at the level they play it. So um, um, there you are. That's, that's the lightning rod right now for the conversation about COVID. Meanwhile, to mask or not to mask, what's the good mask? Apparently, the best mask now is coming out is the um, K uh, KN95 or the N95. Can't get them. Uh, you can't get the tests. You know, uh, We're going to get into that in a moment. Biden is totally... Uh, you know, screwed that up. Um, he uh, he's going to he, now. He says uh, he is going to order six hundred thousand doses of GlaxoSmithKline and this that monoclonal bodies. And by the time this stuff is in the in in the uh, uh, out of the society, um, the thinking among the scientists is that oh, Omicron COVID will have crested and been on down the highway. Um, 
if the Biden had had any efficiency, according to the people who are looking at him objectively, uh, he stated it in, uh, that part of his co is a $1.9 trillion big bill that he wanted, Build Back Better, was $1.9 trillion for COVID relief. But that was 1% of the spending really was allocated for therapy. So he's been misleading. Now he's start, starting to catch up with him and bite him in the butt. Uh, he has not done anything. Um, and now the administration has begun focusing on masking. Uh, uh, and that has become uh, a priority for them because they haven't been able to deliver on the tests and the vaccines. Uh, you have to remember that uh, the reason the vaccines came out in the first place was because of what Trump called Operation um, Warp Speed, which was the setup made for resupplying Europe in the war. Uh, they are now calling Biden's operation Operation Snail Speed. How about that, my good listeners and students? We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files here in a moment. Uh, we'll take time to have a uh, uh, heat my coffee and we'll run a couple of things for you. Be right back. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Brains were lard. You couldn't grease a small frying pan. Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned water boy. Ken Cornell, known as Minnie Mike. Ken Cornell wears elevator shoes. Ken Cornell. He just wants to be like Check this out, Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Achtung, Achtung! The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much schnell! Oh, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in. The Warthog Manly Command Center Man Cave inside the Melvin Law Studio. 
352-325-3938 or Facebook chat here. Um, uh, Doug Jones talking about Ken Cornell. As we understand, um, Ken Cornell has not answered a um, subpoena by the court to be deposed. So we'll follow that. I don't want to you know, nail that to the walls, the absolute, but it is apparently a public record. I've been tipped off to that. Um, wouldn't surprise me. That's in the Collier International issue. Um, meanwhile, I just want to cover this real quickly to let you know how holy the holy can be unholy. Uh, you may recall a Baltimore prosecutor named uh, Marilyn Mosby. Uh, she was all up and down the place defending Black Lives Matter and uh, Meanwhile, the crime rate was off the charts in Baltimore. Well, a federal grand jury has just indicted her on charges of perjury and making false statements. Uh, Justin Fenton has written about this in the Baltimore Sun, and we picked it up uh, in our search each day for uh, all over the place for uh, articles and news as to what's going on. She uh, made false statements with a series of financial transactions that she used to buy a condo on the Gulf Coast and another property near Orlando. Now we have found this not to be atypical. We have found in black loan fraud here, which uh, we began investigating in 2012, uh, that the loans were not paid back and the loans did never reach the people they were intended to reach. Um, the, you know, it's just nobody ever prosecutes it. I know everybody seems to care or give a damn. Um, but in this case of Marilyn Mosby, she must have upset some people uh, somehow, some way. She's 41 years old. She's charged with falsely claiming to suffer financial hardship from the coronavirus. Now, you know, I thought I had thought of everything, everything there was about corona and COVID and all this. But no, I can't. Here's another wrinkle. Now, we know there's been a lot of fraudulent behavior done under the cover of COVID. And we know if you're going to use that term in political election conversations, that you're going to get censored. And it's going to be described as false information, false claims, unproven, all the above. But, you know, that's not the only way in which this stuff works. And here's, um, I applaud the federal grand jury. Uh, she claimed that... Um, she had to obtain an early withdrawal from her retirement savings to purchase these homes that she had to, according to Fenton. And in addition, federal prosecutors alleged she lied on a mortgage loan application by hiding an outstanding federal tax debt. Um, and they accused her of entering into an agreement to rent out a home she bought in Kissimmee, uh, right down the road from where uh, my people used to be there in St. Cloud. Um, well, at the same time, she promised not to rent the property. She did that to get a lower interest rate. Now, I got to tell you, you know, there's a lot of people who do that. I mean, they manipulate the trust of mortgage because, um, you know, they sign things and they just take the, they roll the dice that they won't get caught. So the U.S. Attorney's Office um, has um, finally gotten involved with this. And they've been looking at it for about a year. Um, they subpoenaed a wide range of financial records from her and her husband. You know, we've got this kind of fraudulent behavior going on up in Jacksonville. We've reported on that. And some of the council members up there, um, there's brown barbecue um, that never became a barbecue. 
Um, so, uh, um, you know, the, the, uh, the investigation is, um, of course, being going to be fought by her. And she remains confident when all this, I always say that, all the evidence is prevented, she will prevail. And the criminal charges are narrowly focused on withdrawal from her retirement savings and her purchases of the Florida homes. Um, uh, so th there, th there it is. Um, um, they, they issued subpoenas, um, the, the, the feds did, to a city dance studio where the Mosby centered children, uh, to black churches where the Mosby's gave money, and to private companies and election campaigns. So um, uh, there you are. It's um, uh, and it's a lot longer article. This thing goes into a lot of details about her and uh, what she was up to and the documents she perjured herself on. I'm not going to burden you with all that, except to call your attention to the fact that, yeah, there you are. Uh, is that the, another case of um, uh, um, somebody marching to his or her own drummer? Um, the focus uh, really right now is also on a couple of things which I'm going to delve into. And that is going to, I can't talk about the Oath Keepers and the um, uh, charges that have been leveled against them without talking about Biden. Uh, and I, I am sorry, I'm, I have to burden you with conversations about Biden. But, you know, Biden is a huge liar. And we've been watching frustrated, for many, it's been frustrating for many people, uh, one series of lies after another uh, from the very beginning, uh, way back when Trump's name surfaced as somebody who was interested in running for the presidency. Um, it began and all the, um, all the lies and well-organized and involved a lot of the public institutions whose trust, you know, we no longer, they, uh, we no longer believe or trust them uh, with the strict struck struck um, dossier and Hillary and her bleached hard drive pounded into smithereens and Anthony Weiner. Uh, the pervert whose computer had a lot of the evidence. And, you know, they forget the slush fund, the foundation that the Clintons used to um, strong arm money from other governments so that if she got in, she would be favorable. Same thing Biden is doing over here uh, through, with China and Ukraine, um, sending his kid around to, you know, with a bag basically to collect the money is what's alleged, cooking up sweetheart deals for them. Uh, um, this this is this is you know the, the public has been watching this, watching the lying of the media, uh, watching the 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 uh, shutdown of any disagreement or dissent, and it's it's troubled people. And I've, I've said you know all along that uh, one of the purposes of this show is to at least stimulate you into thinking for yourself and learning how to do it. Um, if you haven't taken a look at the devil went down to Georgia. A lot of people are examining it even more closely uh, than uh, I've examined it with you the last couple of days. And they have discerned that uh, uh, the fact checkers will check anything that's said about Trump in a heartbeat. And the platforms like the Facebooks and the YouTubes and all that will checkbook in a heartbeat anything that Trump says or anything the deplorables say. But they don't check uh, fact check Biden. And here is an itemization uh, in, a, in an editorial uh, that the, you know, and the Wall Street Journal has come around to being a pretty conservative 
uh, a bunch of thinkers now, whereas they started out, if you go back and look at them way back, they were kind of skeptics about Trump. And right now they haven't become necessarily uh, giving him a clean bill of health, but they dang sure are, are skeptics of, of, um, of, of, um, of, of Biden. So, you know, here's what they have discerned. I'll pass along to you, Michael Lucas, and some other people here watch the show. Listen, um, Biden's speech was, uh, according to this analysis, totally divorced from facts. Uh, and I'm going to go through with you the things that he said that have been analyzed in this opinion piece. I'll let you think about it, take notes about it, and you make notes about it. I know a couple of you viewers actually live in Atlanta, so you know this. It's close to home. Um, he, Biden claimed that the Georgia Republicans enacted an election law designed purely to put up obstacles to voting. Okay, that's a lie. Biden said the law made it harder for you to vote by mail and limited the number of drop boxes in the hours you can use them. And he said that these changes um, uh, were designed to create longer lines at the polls. You know, what a goofball. You know, you don't even require the vote at the polls. Uh, and so this caused hunger. And, uh, you know, somebody had to feed these people in the lines. Have you ever heard of a grown man leading a nation saying such stupid things? He, that's me putting that in there. Biden also promised that the Georgia GOP would subvert future elections with a provision allowing it to willy-nilly remove local election officials. Um, and that would enable the Republicans to get the result they wanted, no matter what the voters said. He said this. He said this as a president. You know, uh, and, and the opinion piece here who's analyzed him says these are the wildest claims, much wilder than anything Trump ever made. Even if, uh, you, know, uh, you know, and they're accepting in this analysis that Trump's claims of an election fraud are false. But even with those claims, they're saying that Trump's claims are mild in terms of, well, misinformation. Then Biden's, Biden's 10 times as worse. Um, the Georgia law leaves in place no excuse absentee voting and actually makes it stronger. By getting rid of signature matching, the Georgia law expands weekend early voting and sets minimum election day voting hours. The Georgia law enshrines in law the use of absentee ballot drop boxes, which did not exist in Georgia before the temporary use of them in the pandemic. And the Georgia state legislature can remove officials, but only after proving malfeasance or gross negligence over at least two elections. And Georgia's broader electoral safeguards remain in place. Uh, so Biden's claims, this is the journal opinion piece saying this, that Biden's claims are absolute straight up fiction. I don't know how much longer, you see, I'm building up to the frustration that has led to the creation and formation of things like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and all these frustrations. After you've been called a deplorable, after you've been uh, 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 labeled uh, uh, fraudulent and all that, while well, you yourself are, uh, people people get tired of that. And um, there's the broader, and the analysis goes into this, is the broader Biden Democratic claim that in election integrity measures make it harder to vote. Now, so the opinion piece here hauled out a couple examples. California has 
the loosest election laws in the country. And New Hampshire has the toughest. But California routinely ranks at the bottom for presidential election year turnout, whereas New Hampshire is at the top. Now, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? That tells you that Biden is a sheer shell of a human being. Now, it wouldn't be so bad if he were in the home, but he's in the Oval Office. And I'm just going to editorialize here, and you can agree or disagree, but there's more and more people agreeing with what I'm saying who are responsible individuals. Now, um, Georgia uh, decided in 2008 to impose a statewide voter ID law, uh, which Biden calls suppression, and it actually produced a higher registration and turnout, especially especially among minorities. Okay? Huh? So, uh, meanwhile, Biden called all the Republicans segregationists, traitors, domestic enemies. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yes. That's what he called them. So what he's done, now think about this. You think this January 6th thing was bad. Here, Biden has now succeeded. It's one of the only things he's done successfully in casting doubt on every election hereafter. And certainly the one in 2022, which they're doing, my friends, on purpose. Because they're afraid they're going to lose them because of this behavior. So they... They're afraid they're going to lose everything in 2022. So what they're preparing to do is cause, call that a bigger domestic terrorist act than the one they are now calling a domestic terrorist act of January 6th. Do you follow what they're doing here? Do you follow this? Nice cup, Ward Scott Falls. Do you follow this? And I think there's going to be, if this, is the, if this is what portends for the future, there's going to be a lot of issues come up in the fall that are going to maybe make the way they're talking like this, the ones in the past, child's play. And who are you going to blame? Well, they're going to blame Trump. But the article here, the analysis um, by Kim Strassel, who started out an anti-Trump person. Kimberly Strassel started out an anti-Trump person. But you know what's happening? You know, Biden is showing you his derriere. And as she writes in the conclusion of her piece, Democrats and the media are using hyperbole, name-calling, misinformation, and nobody's questioning it because it is Biden doing it. But I tell you, friends, but I tell you, friends, it doesn't portend well for things to come. And you know what this is setting up? I've got this analysis I've been holding back in the Midnight Auto Yard. Uh, this is actually, um, um, I never thought of this, and I thought I thought of everything. Of course, I'm joking. But you know what's being set up here? Can I give you a clue? 
Uh, Biden's incompetent. Harris is worse. I, I can't even stand to hear her voice, let alone look at her. I mean, that, that, that woman is dangerous. And the Democrat Party, according to this analysis by uh, Doug Schoen and Andrew Stein, knows it. They know it. And they know that they got away with something this last time. And if you don't want to call it a fraudulent election, then you at least have to call it COVID cover. COVID covered for the mass distribution of absentee ballots financed by Zuckerbucks and private money and targeted at particularly specific places in the country. So what do you think they're thinking in the Democrat Party? Couple of guesses. Maybe make this extra credit on the test. A political comeback. You ready? A political comeback for Hillary Clinton in 2024. Because it is becoming apparent to the Democrats that they have created a huge leadership vacuum by rolling Uncle Joe out of the basement. <clears throat> And getting him elected by uh, whatever means they could, they have exposed themselves for what they are. And the only person they've got on the travel squad who could possibly step in, in their minds, might be Hillary the liar Clinton. She would claim, according to this analysis, and here these writers have put their heads on as if they were strategists for Clinton. So maybe you need to do that, too, while we're at it. She would be a change candidate. And from her public statements, it's clear that she's seeing herself as a political frontrunner already, as a change candidate. Uh, she was interviewed recently on MSNBC, and she called on Democrats to engage in, quote, careful thinking about what wins elections. Huh? Huh? Now, this woman is one of the dirtiest politicians in the history of America. Not in my opinion, but in many, many people's opinion, and has been covered up and covered up and covered up. And people have asked me from time to time when they see me, well, what do I think? Do, will Hillary Clinton ever be brought to justice? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they will continue to keep Trump and all the deplorables and the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and, the, and, and this and that one another. The evil, they will, create, they will make them evil. They, they've got a great focus for evil which will enable them to distract attention from the cover-up of Hillary the liar. So we know the Democrat agenda is in complete disarray. It looks very clearly now to the Democrats, since they can't get Biden's Build Back Better uh, deal passed, Biden can't unify anybody in their party to their satisfaction. Um, his approval rating... And I've been watching it. Um, 
it's down in the 30s, and 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 Harris's is even uh, Kamala's is even lower. Um, there's a very good likelihood, but I got my fingers crossed on this. There's so many strange things that are going on in elections now that I'm not going to say that this is a done deal. But uh, there is this kind of confidence that the Democrats are going to lose control of Congress in the fall. I got to tell you, friends, I got to tell you, friends, given, given, the, given the, what I've been seeing and what you've been seeing, um, I, don't, I don't know if that's a slam dunk now. Uh, and I think the Democrats are setting it up right now to provide cover and create enough chaos that, the, that it is true that they lose all that, that they'll be able to challenge it and tie it up and they'll turn around and use tactics. Let me, let me make a prediction. They will turn around and lose taxi, tactics 10 times worse than those they've accused Trump of. And they'll excuse their use of the tactics because once again, they'll blame it on Trump. Do you follow how this is working? It's like a it's like a war. First of all, you you Trump asked for the National Guard to guard the Capitol. Pelosi didn't call him out and set up Trump and set up those keepers and all those people and sucked them into the trap. Okay, so then they take the bait and then then you're able to call them terrorists and then you're able to call them. Um, um, uh, all the all the all the nasty names you need to put them on trial, charge them with um, insurrection and sedition act, all this stuff, which we'll get into at some point, and um, you know get the FBI involved and um, whole nine yards, and then turn around and use the same tactics in the fall if you lose. Oh boy, oh boy, that's genius. That is that is that is right on the edge of genius, and I think um, you heard it. That's my analysis. That's my analysis now, along with recent some research. I didn't get into the Oath Keepers and this sedition charge and all, which I'll get into next week. But um, I got to thank you for supporting and watching. Uh, support my good uh, buddy down at Style Cuts, uh, David Ratliff. Great, he is the official. Uh, a barber for the Ward Scott Files. And it's right around the corner from Bill Penner Shoes, uh, right there. Uh, David's been around for a long time, great supporter of the show, as all, all the supporters of the show, and I appreciate those of you who donate to the show. So um, keep it going, keep the plate spinning, because we're in some very, very interesting times. Have a great weekend. Ward Hall Command Center out.